a Savior, wonderful Jesus. Death couldn't hold you, Jesus. You're such an amazing Savior. What an amazing ability that we have to come to you this morning to worship you with all that we have. We praise you for that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're joining us today, either in person or online for the first time, we've been in this series about getting off of our butts. And no, not the ones that you're currently sitting on. We've been talking about the butts that literally keep us from getting off of our butts, the excuses that we make, the, the, the excuses that we make that keep us from living the lives that Jesus wanted us to make, the lives of, that would, the lives that would keep us from being great. Because Jesus wants our lives to be great. The one thing that would make our life great, that Jesus said would make our life great, was this. Mark 10, 43. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Now, why did Jesus tie greatness to serving? It's because greatness is about making a difference with your life. And the way you make a difference with your life is through serving others at their point of need. And we started this series off with a look at the truly phenomenal life of a man named Barnabas. And there were two excuses that Barnabas had to get past in order to live that phenomenal life. First, but I don't have any money. I've lived that excuse before. And the second one, but I don't have the time. I've also had to deal with that one before. He could have sat on either of those excuses. But if he had, he would have never made the difference that he had with his life. And then next, we looked at the unique shape that God has given to each of us. And that word shape stands for our spiritual gifts, our heart, our, our abilities, our personality, and our experience. And how that helps us get past another excuse that we often have. But I don't know what to do. And we learned that we are to do what we are. You're to, you're to make your primary investment according to your shape. That's why God gave it to you. And then last week, we looked at the excuse that all of us think, that all of us feel, and many times all of us live by, but we don't want to say it out loud. But I'm all about me. Then we spent time with Jesus, the Jesus who put a towel over his arm and washed feet and made that excuse look about and feel about as bad as it sounds when we say it out loud. And today, as we bring this series to an end, we got one last excuse to talk about. And here it is. But what difference 
will it make? That is actually not what we're looking at, is it? All right. Well, I'm seeing it down here, but you guys are not seeing it up there. All right. I don't think the issue is down here, Dawson. I know my password for the computer? Yeah, it turned off. The computer turned off? Yeah. Uh, that is Adventist 2014. Well, that's the password for everything around here because that's Adventist and that's when we started was 2014. That's we just gave, gave away the password for everything at Triad Adventist Fellowship. I'm going to have to change it all. The whole world knows. Um, but the question we're going to look at today is, but what difference does it make when, you, when, every, when the whole world knows the password to your computer? What difference does it make? Have you ever thought that? What difference does it make? Have you ever felt it? But... The kind of why does it bother? Why bother mentality when it when it comes to doing something? The what difference really does my was my giving make in a church? What difference will it make whether I help out in a church or not? Whether I volunteer does it really make a difference? Will my hour of serving? Will my fifteen minutes of greeting does it really make a difference? Does one more person helping, does it really make a difference? One more person serving at lunch, does one more person really make a difference? Whether I do or don't, what, whatever I give or I don't give, does it really make a difference? See, when you sit on that butt, here's what happens. You don't serve. And when you don't serve, you don't care that you don't serve. Because in your mind, it doesn't matter. So it's not, it's not like you're the problem. Because you don't see yourself as the solution. Your money, your time, your service, your involvement, your participation, your volunteering, your gifts, your abilities, in your mind, it won't ever move the needle. So why bother? So you don't bother. Because you're still sitting on that excuse. But what difference will it make? Let me give you a little trivia, a little Bible trivia for you. There's only two miracles that show up in every single account of the life of Jesus. We're talking about the Gospels here. There's only two miracles that show up in every Gospel account. One is pretty simple to, to guess. It's the resurrection. You would kind of guess the resurrection would show up in every single Gospel. But there's only one other miracle that shows up in every Gospel account. A miracle which apparently we should take note of. One that is expressly aimed at today's excuse. Here's what it is. 
course now mine isn't working. So Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on grassy, grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. In that single event, told in every one of the gospel accounts, we are given four critically important principles about serving. And they all take direct aim at that one excuse we're going to look at today. But what difference will it make? But what difference will what I do make? So we're going to kind of walk back through this story and look at those principles. Principle number one, serving is a life test. Did you catch that one? It's kind of tucked away at the beginning of the story, really before anything miraculous has even taken place. Let's kind of look at it again. Jesus climbed a hill, sat down with his disciples around him, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all the people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus singled out Philip because he was from that area and would know best where to get food. But we are told specifically that the question was a test. Not, not just for Philip, but for all of them. Jesus was essentially said, we're surrounded by hungry people in need of food. I think we should serve them. So how, how, how do we do that? It was a test. It, it wasn't just a test about serving but about whether they, they felt that if they tr tried, tried to serve them, could they actually feed that many people? 
and they failed that test. Philip's response, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Translation, there's no way we can do this. There's no way we can make a difference here. We could work for months and not even put a dent in this. So why bother? You ever felt like that? Just too much crime in this world. Too much poverty in this world. There's too many homeless people in this world. There's just, there's just too much sin. So why bother? Send them on their way. Let them find their own food. And then Philip promptly sat down on his butt, his excuse. The butt of, but what difference will it make? But a difference was there to be made because Jesus was there. They just needed to have faith, the trust that Jesus could be the answer to the need and through him have the faith and the trust that if they responded to the need, gave to the need, invested in meeting the need, served at the point of the need, that it would matter. That what they brought to the serving table would be met by God, would be honored by God, would be used by God, the choice to serve or not to serve is a life test. A test about whether you, whether you think that when you serve that God will show up, which means that no matter what you do, it will matter. It's a test about faith. Whether you see serving as simply what you do or what God can do through you. The people around Jesus, his followers, were failing that test. They didn't even think about the possibility that Jesus was already planning to feed everyone. But he had already planned it all out. The question was whether they were going to be a part of the miracle. Whether they would jump in and serve where they could, how they could, in the face of that need and experience what Jesus was capable of doing through their service. That last line, Jesus said, he already knew what he was going to do. God already knows what he is going to do through what you bring to him. When you use your gifts, your abilities, when you give that gift, when you serve with that time, he already knows what he's going to do with it. When you, when you say, but what difference will it make? You're essentially saying there's no God watching. There's no God involved. There's no God who, who already knows what he wants to do. You're denying God when you make up that excuse. 
to when you don't serve because you don't think it will matter. You're simply removing your life from the adventure of what God is wanting to do in this world. You're removing yourself from making a difference in this world. So that's the first principle, that serving is a life test that you do not want to fail. The second principle Every serving size matters. The size, the scope, the range, the amount of whatever it is you're able to bring to the serving table is not what matters. Bringing what you have is what matters. The power is in the serving. The power is in the giving. The power is in using the gifts God has given you to serve. Listen again to what we read in the story. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Think about that. Here they are, talking amongst themselves about how they're going to feed this huge crowd of people. Or, probably more likely, how they're not going to be able to feed this huge crowd of people. And Andrew, another one of the followers of Jesus, was there, and, and he says, well, here's this little boy who's got some bread and some fish. I want to stop there for a minute how, how did this little boy surface? How did, how did Andrew even find this boy? Maybe they had been fanning out among the crowd to, to see who had some food. How did this boy show up? Maybe we have to read between the lines a little bit here, but what seemed to have happened, this little boy was nearby, and maybe he overheard the discussion or heard the disciples going throughout the crowd asking if anyone had any food, and, and he steps up and said, Hey, I, I do. You can give the people what I have. Which would have been just like a little boy, right? Children don't think like we do as adults. They don't do the math and realize just how small that little lunch was in the face of 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. Thousands are hungry, and this little boy thinks his two little fish and five loaves of bread will make a difference. But what difference will it make? Never entered this little boy's mind. And as we now know, he was right. And can you just imagine how Jesus must have looked at that little boy? The love, the, the admiration, the marveling at his willingness to give and to serve with all that he had. Particularly when you think about the life that this little boy was living the Bible specifically tells us that what he had was barley loaves. Barley loaves were the food of the poor. 
the cheapest bread that there was. Nobody ate barley loaves if they didn't have to. It was, had been described as tasting awful, almost being indigestible. It, it often refers, in the, it refers to them as loaves, but kind of get that out of your mind because it's not what we would think of as a loaf of bread. It would be kind of small, thin case. Think of it as five pieces of pita bread, not five loaves of bread. And, and the fish would be kind of dried and salted, almost as a relish for those five little pieces of pita bread. And referring to him simply as a boy with some food would tell us that he had no parents with him or else they would have referred to his parents. So he, here's this little boy alone with his lunch who was there to listen to Jesus. Which means he may have been an orphan, maybe someone's slave boy. But we do know for sure is that He's a poor boy with a poor boy's lunch from a poor background, giving all that he had so that others could eat. And to that act of service, Andrew said what most of us would have said. But what difference would it make? But the serving size isn't what matters. What matters is the heart, the spirit, the attitude, the selflessness, the investment. What matters is serving, and that means every size matters. They had no idea what Jesus was going to do with what seemed like a pathetically small gift an act of service that in their thinking couldn't possibly make a difference. Jesus knew something that they didn't. Every serving size matters to God. And God will use every size. So what do you have right now? that Jesus is asking you to bring to him to use, and you're thinking it's too small, or that he won't show up when you try to put it into use, or, or maybe that, that what you can do or what you can give, it isn't needed, or it's just not important enough. Is it your gifts or your abilities? You don't think that God has you wired that way? The things that you're able to do just aren't worth enough? Is it your money? Do you think that maybe because other people make more than you that, that what you have just won't make a difference? Is it your time? Do you think that that hour, that you only have an hour that you can give, then that that, that, that isn't enough, that it won't make a difference? Do you think that if you try to help somewhere that God won't do anything with that? If that's how you're thinking, then you're going to miss out on what God's going to do through you. Every serving size matters, including yours. 
And Jesus wants you to know that. Just like he's getting ready to make sure everybody knows that what he was going to do with a small little boy's lunch. Which brings us to the third big principle. Serving is always multiplied. Let's read this portion of it again. Jesus told everyone, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Five little cakes of bread, two small dried fish fed thousands. The Bible mentions 5,000 men, which means that there were thousands more in terms of the women and the children. So probably somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people ate that day. What you do, how and where you serve when it is for the cause of Christ and the building up of his church is always, always used disproportionately. Serving is always multiplied because it unleashes the power of God. He loves showing up and blessing it, using it, expanding it, and having it make a difference. Why? Because the heart of a servant reflects the heart of God. Whenever we do something on this planet that reflects His heart, He multiplies it. He empowers it and He uses it. You just have to be willing to, to bring it to Him in service and then let Him have fun with it. See, I read this story about a guy named Bob who had a friend named Doug, and Doug had a ministry in Washington, D.C. among people in politics. Now, Bob had no connections in the government at all. He was just a lowly medical insurance salesman. But Bob became a Christian through his friendship with Doug. And one day, Bob came in all excited about something he read in the Bible that, where Jesus said, Ask whatever you want in my name, and you shall receive it. So Bob asked Doug, Is this really true? And Doug said, Well, I mean, it's not a blank check, but you have to take it in context with some teachings in the Scripture. But, but yes, it is true. Jesus really does answer prayer. So Bob said, great, then, then I guess I need to start praying for something. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for Africa. And Doug said, well, I mean, that's kind of a broad target. Why don't you narrow it down to a country? Bob said, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray for Kenya. Do you know anyone in Kenya? Nope. Have you ever been to Kenya? Nope. Bob just wanted to pray for Kenya. So Doug challenged Bob to pray for Kenya every day for six months. And Doug challenged him that if you do so, if nothing extraordinary happens, I'll pay you $500. Not quite the spiritual 
challenge you normally do, but don't challenge me for that because I don't have $500. But he says, if you pray for Kenya every day for, five, every day for six months and nothing happens, I'll give you $500. But if something does, you give me $500. And if you don't pray every day for six months, well, it deals off. So Bob took him up on it. And for a long time, nothing happened. Then one night he was at this dinner in Washington and the people around the table started talking about what they did for a living and one lady said that she ran an orphanage in Kenya, the largest one in the whole nation. And Bob began asking her question after question about this orphanage and its needs. And the lady finally said, you're obviously very interested in my country. Have you ever been to Kenya before? No. Do you know someone in Kenya? No? Then why are you so curious? Well, someone is kind of paying me $500 to pray for Kenya. And the lady said, well, would you like to come to Kenya and visit the orphanage? Bob said yes. So when he arrived, he was shocked at the poverty and the lack of basic health care. And when he got back to Washington, D.C., he couldn't get the place out of his mind. But what could he do? What of any substance could he do? What difference could it make? He was just a lowly medical insurance salesman. But then he began to write letters to the large pharmaceutical companies describing the vast need that he had seen. He reminded them that every year they would throw away large amounts of medical supplies that went unsold. Why not send them to the orphanage in Kenya? And some of them did. The orphanage ended up receiving more than a million dollars worth of medical supplies. The woman at the orphanage called Bob and said, this is amazing. We've had the most phenomenal gifts because of the letters that you wrote. We would like to fly you back over and have a big party. Will you come back? So Bob flew back to Kenya. And while he was there, the president of Kenya came to the celebration. He met Bob, and they kind of hit it off. And then he took Bob to Nairobi for a tour of the city. And in the course of that tour, they saw a prison, and Bob asked about the prisoners at the prison. The president said, well, they're political prisoners. And Bob said, well, you know, that's, that's a bad idea. You should let them out. And Bob finished the tour and then flew home. Sometime later, Bob received a phone call from the United States State Department. Is this Bob? Yes. Were you recently in Kenya? Uh, yes. Did you make any statements to the president about political prisoners? Uh, yes. What did you say? I told him it was a bad idea and he should let him out. The State Department official explained that they had been working for years trying to get the release of those prisoners and never could. That all diplomatic channels and political maneuverings had led to nothing. But now the prisoners had been released. And the State Department had learned that it was all because of a medical insurance salesman named Bob. And they were calling to simply say thanks. 
Several months later, the president of Kenya made another phone call to Bob. He was going to rearrange his cabinet, and he wanted to see if Bob would be willing to fly over and pray for him as he was working on selecting a new government. So Bob, who had no political connections whatsoever, boarded a plane once more and flew back to Kenya where he prayed and asked God to give wisdom for the leader of a nation as he selected his government. Serving is always multiplied. Principle number four, the fourth and final principle, no matter what serving might cost you, you can't outgive God. You can try, but you can't. Did you notice the little detail given at the very end of what happened with Jesus that day? Now, we remember this story. We remember the loaves. We remember the fish. We remember about thousands of people being fed. But you remember how it ended? Let's read it again. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from five barley loaves. Five loaves, two fish, resulted in 12 baskets of leftovers. And the word used here for basket was referring to a, not a tiny little basket, but a huge basket. Twelve of them were filled after everyone else was already full. Do you think Jesus was trying to make a point here? No matter what you think serving might cost you, no matter what you think giving might cost you, no matter what you think getting in the game might cost you, you cannot outgive God. No matter how generous you are, no matter how much time or money you selflessly give to the cause of Christ and the building up of His church, the way God will serve you, the way He will care for you, the way He will enrich your life in return will always, will always be more. I don't know what form or fashion it will take. I just know that you can't outgive Him. What you give through serving, however you invest, your bread and your fish will never compare to what you will receive from serving. There's really is a picture of two different lives here. And you don't want to walk away without getting these two lives burned into your psyche. On the one hand, you have the life that holds on to the little cakes and the two dinky little fish. And on the other hand, you have the life that is surrounded by basketfuls. Which life do you want? So many people never serve. 
They never give their life away. They never invest in anything or anyone outside of themselves. Which means that they start their life off with five loaves and two fish. And they end their life with five loaves and two fish. And in between the beginning of their life and the end of their life, they make their entire life about holding on to that bread and fish. Well, congratulations, because that's all you're going to end your life with. But there's another life that can be lived. A life that gives itself away a life that invests in serving others. A life that truly throws itself into the cause of Christ and the building up of His church. A life that experiences what it's like to get into the game and to have God show up and to multiply things in a way that only God can. Giving their life the, the impact, the significance, the consequence, the, the greatness that is meant to have. Which life do you want? Serving is a life test that we, we want to pass. Every size and shape of serving matters. It's always seized by God and multiplied in ways that we will never know this side of heaven. And no matter what serving may cost, whatever gift of time, money, ability, or even blood, sweat, and tears, no matter what the price tag for serving may be, you will find that you will never, ever be able to outgive. God. That's why I don't, even, I don't hesitate to look any of you in the eye, to beg you, to, to even go so far as to demand that you serve. Don't waste your one and only life. Serve. Volunteer to serve in a ministry here at the church, whether it's in children's ministry and in, in welcoming people in, in breakfast or lunch or singing, playing, videography production, serving our homeless population. Throw whoever you are uniquely into the mix. If you're a leader, lead. If you're a singer, sing. If you're a graphic artist, a teacher, a web designer, a counselor, a musician, a videographer, whatever your skills are, serve. If you have five cakes of bread and some fish, serve. And when you do, remember the answer to the question, but what difference will it make? The answer to that question is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. The only miracle recorded. What difference will it make? It will make all the difference in the world. We have to stop making excuses. We have to stop making excuses and start serving. Because that is what Jesus would call us to do. 
to make a difference in this world, to make a difference in this world and to bring people to him. We don't want to fail that test. We want to pass that test and be used by him. Heavenly Father, thank you that you tell us these stories so that we won't fail that test, that we won't ask that same question, but what difference will it make? Help us not to ask that question, to, to, to fail that test like so many people often do. Help us to bring whatever we have, whether it's small or large, to bring it to your feet so that you can take it and use it and multiply it. Help us to always trust you with whatever we have because we know that you will always use it and multiply it and we can never outgive you, Lord. We praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.